0: so as we continue in First John, really chapter 4 is where John just kind of gets to this place where he, he's laying it all out. You know, he's, he's kind of corrected errors before and he's, he, he's talked about us loving each other. And, and then last week he talked about us needing to test the spirits because not every spirit is from God. Not every spirit confesses Jesus Christ and we have to learn how to discern what is truth and what is error. And he kind of continues that theme, but he goes back to the love of God, because any discernment that happens in which we determine truth from error will always include the love of God within that formula. Why was we're going to see God is love there there is no way around this, and, and John gets to what is kind of the obvious and yet also absolutely necessary for us to understand because he's talked already over and over and over about the love of God and that we should love each other and and that the love of God is is you know among us in in the spirit and yet something he hasn't done yet is define what love really is have you ever gotten a definition wrong and thought something meant one thing found out meant something completely different That sure makes communication difficult, right? If we're not talking about the same thing, but we think we're talking about the same thing, that gets hard. And so John hits this point where he, I think he realizes as he's teaching, and he comes back to the fact that we should love each other, he realizes he has to ground that love in something. Otherwise, what will we do? We'll define it however we want to. And being sinful, broken people, we will twist it. Now, we won't do it intentionally if we're trying to honor God and love him, but there are those who will. There are those who don't care about God that will just use God as a means for personal gain, and they will twist the meaning of the word love to mean whatever it is they want it to mean. And so for this to be effective, for for him to tell us to love each other, We have to ground love in something completely objective. We have to ground it in something immovable, unchanging. Well, what does that sound like? Love must be grounded in God, completely in his nature and who he is. And so this is what we're going to talk about this week. This is love. Because even the world agrees love is a good thing, right? They're not going to argue with you on that. You know, the Beatles, all you need is love, right? I mean, every song on the radio, you, you know, minus, you know, a few are going to have the word love in there somewhere. We we it's It's this universal thing. We all know and need love. And so when we say and we talk about love, we kind of all have this similar reaction and we understand instinctively what it is, and yet... As we look at the world around us, we start to realize the understanding and application of love and how we recognize it and, and apply it. Man, it gets, it gets hazy, doesn't it? It goes all over the map. And so we have to ground it in something that is unchanging so that we can have a reference point when we talk about love in which we know it is true. And so listen with me. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, going to verse 12, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Ground something, and it is so important right here, is that we see that God is love. He makes that statement: God is love. And so, right off the bat, we can make some conclusions here. One: love is more than a feeling. Love is more than a feeling. And when we think about what that means, we we have a, an entire culture based around romantic notions, falling in love, falling in and out of love. Well, what is that? That just means your feelings. Now, does love involve feelings? Well, absolutely. I'm not saying that, you know, we're somehow stoic and feelings don't matter, but love is more than feelings. There are times when God feels distant. Anybody in here ever felt like God was distant? Yeah, yeah. Did Did that mean God stopped loving you? Absolutely not. Did that mean you stopped loving God? No, you might be confused. You might even be angry with God, but... When the love of God has you, the love of God has you. Love is so much deeper than feelings. It is rooted firmly in the nature of God himself. And when I say that, that means that love at its core is unchanging, immovable, and objective. And we know what love is because God has revealed himself to us. That is the only way we know what love is, is because God's self-revelation. Why? Because God is love. So to know God is to know love. We have to attach those two together. Now, we also know what love is instinctively deep inside because we are made in God's image. You see, us being created in the image of God is part of God's self-revelation. That Ecclesiastes says he has placed eternity in the heart of man. That that part of himself, part of who he is, he has placed within us, made us in his image, which means we have the capacity to love as he loves. We know what love is because it's hardwired into our being. That's why even the most ardent, unbeliever atheist who is hostile to God and hostile to the gospel will still ultimately look for love in some way in this world. We can't escape it because we were created to love. We were created by love. This is what God has done. And so do not think of love as something that exists independently. Okay, it does not exist on its own. It is not a force outside of God, and it's not something that God created. It is firmly rooted in God's nature and being. And if you think of it this way, it is the genetic trait that the father has passed to the children. Love comes from God. You see, listen to what he says again. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. He has tied true love with the knowledge of God, the existence of God, the being of God in a way that cannot be separated. Now you say, well, but but people who don't believe in God, they, they have the capacity to love. Yes, the capacity, but they will not consistently love as those who know God. When we come to know God and we are born again and we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit we then have a greater capacity to love because we are connected to the source of all love. And so love is the trait of a Christian. Now, John has repeated this so many times already in this letter that some of you are probably already like, can we talk about something else? I get it. I'm supposed to love. We've we've been talking about this now for, uh, let's see, this is the uh, 14th sermon in the series. And pretty much all 14 of them have dealt with loving one another. And the reason for that is John thinks it's pretty important. He just keeps writing it. You know, as you continue to read through this book from 1 John 1 all the way through the end of chapter 5, he just keeps coming back to it. Hey, we've got to love each other. We've got to love each other. Hey, if, if you're in God, you'll love. If you're loving people, it's proof that you're in God. It's proof that God's in you. He just keeps coming back to it because the ability to discern truth from error will genuinely show itself in how we love each other. In the end, we know something is of God because it will lead us to a greater love for other people. There there is no way around that. We can be as right as we can be, you know, right theologically. And we can argue and we can have all of the right answers. But if we don't love people because of that belief system, we haven't really believed it. Because when we believe the truth, the truth changes us. It affects us. We can't unlearn it and it leads us to love as God loved us. Because we are connected to the God of love. Love is the trait that proves we are God's children. You know, in this world, they have DNA tests sometimes to establish, you know, the, the parentage of a child. What John is telling us right now is that love is the DNA that connects us to God. That's it. Notice he doesn't say when you can argue and you can you can. List out the theological and the properties of God and and you can talk about his omnipresence and his omniscience and he doesn't list out all of these. He just he boils it down to the simplest trait and says, you'll know you're walking with God when love is growing in your life. When your ability to love other people grows, when your desire to love other people grows. He says, that's that's what it is. And he makes the following statement of truth that, that is so deep. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Think about the nature of that statement he just said right there. They have dealt with false teachers who came in teaching a false gospel and took people away from Christ, caused division, caused all kinds of trouble. And John says, here's the simple answer to that. If you want to discern what's going on, just look, do they love people? And is that love rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's it. That is the test That that we have to have and so every single experience every bit of knowledge every truth from God will ultimately lead us to love It is the mark Of his influence It is the true mark of his influence in our lives Now will we turn away from sin? Absolutely. We'll start to reject sin, but you know why because sin typically leads us to hate people Have you ever made that connection? The more we indulge sin in our life, the less we like people, the less we love others. You see, every time sin will take us away from love, love will lead us closer to God and lead us to obey what God's commands are. And so it is the unmistakable mark of God. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 15, Paul says this way. He says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. What do you think that fragrance is? For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. What do you think that aroma is? Is it that we're right? That the world will look and say, oh, wow, they're always right. They must be Christian. No, what is that aroma? It's our ability to love. It is the love of God and the love of Christ that that will just you just spread it everywhere. We all know when he talks about the fragrance and the aroma, we've all experienced pleasing aromas and let's say less than pleasing aromas in our life, and it gets your attention, right? You can just be somewhere and outside. And, and and man, it gets your attention. You smell it. and if it's something good, you're like, man, what is that? And if it's not, you're like, man, what is that? Either way, it gets our attention. And and that's what he's saying here. He says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those and notice who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You see, it's it's not Judgment, it's not self-righteousness, it's not intellectual argumentation, it's not theology, it's not denomination, it's love. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. John is so sold on this. How did he refer to himself in his own gospel? Anybody know? the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wouldn't even use his own name. When he had to describe himself in his own gospel, in the gospel of John, he would always refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Like this is a revolution for John. When he came to know Jesus, it changed him so much that he was like, love is what, Matt, this is it. This is what we've got to focus on And he's consistent with it. You read the Gospel of John, you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and you even read Revelation, you see the love of God is on display over and over and over and over. And so the important part for this for us to realize is not only is it the mark, but love doesn't begin with us. It begins with God. And because it begins with God, God is the one who defines love for us. We don't define love. He does. Listen again to what John says in 1 John 4, 9 and 10. He says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So there are two things here that he says we we have to use to define love. If we want to understand what love is, these two things. One, love was made manifest. Now when something's made manifest, what does that mean? That means it appears. It's something you can see. Now how many of you here would be able to say, you know what, I've seen love. I've seen it. It appeared before me. That's a weird way to talk about love, right? Because we, you know, love is of the heart. Love is... It's more than a feeling, but it's not something tangible. You know what John would argue? He says, oh no, love was tangible. It was the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what love is, you have to look to the manifestation, the incarnation of God's son, of Emmanuel, God with us. Look there, and you'll see that love was made manifest. We were able to see it. We were able to experience, to feel, to, to, to listen to, to talk to, to have a relationship with genuine love now what's important about that it says that love exists outside of us we don't we're not the origin of it we don't generate love we don't produce it we don't define it love was made manifest in what we could see before us in the person of jesus christ that means it's independent of us love is not dependent upon our feelings Love is not dependent on our intellect or our ability to define it. Love exists independent of us. And if it exists independent of us, then that means I have no right to define it as I see fit. I don't get to just say, well, this is love. And two, love is defined by God and not us. When we think of love, we start when we think properly of love, we start with God's actions in the gospel. Notice what he said again. In this is love, not that we have loved God. Don't start with yourself. In any discussion, in any understanding of love, do not start with yourself or you'll get it wrong. Start with God's actions on our behalf in the gospel. Start with Jesus Christ. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to the be pro. To be the propitiation for our sins. We start with God's love in the the gospel. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That defines love for us. Love is not based on feelings. It is not based on our desires. It is not based on our culture. It is not based on our intellect. It is not based on us at all. We have to look to the cross. That is where we understand love. Now, the fact that he was manifest, listen, John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What do you think that glory is that he's talking about? He said the love was made manifest. The love of God was made manifest. And here he says we've seen his glory. He's saying the love of God was right there, and it changed him. It was so glorious and it was so amazing and it was so contrary to the world around him that John took one look at it and and experienced it and was like, I will never be the same. And so if we want to know what love truly is, we must start with the gospel and all that that means. That means that we weren't loving. I mean, we needed a Savior, which means we were the opposite of love. We were the enemies of God. We were filled with with hatred, with anger. We were filled with that which is not love. You know, I've heard the opposite of love is not hatred, but is actually apathy. Not caring at all. And I, I think I agree with that because John says he came to his home and we esteemed him or, or Isaiah says, and we esteemed him not. He came, and we esteemed him not. That that John here is like the word became flat. I mean, he's trying to get this across to us that do you understand that God stepped out of heaven in the Son of God, and love was made manifest, and His glory was there. And people in John's day that saw Jesus were like, nah, eh, whatever. They didn't care. And John says in John 1, he says, And he came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, he's saying, if you you can catch a glimpse, if you can see the truth of this, of what God did in Jesus, you'll never be the same. And the love of God will so transform you that any time somebody claims God, Anytime somebody wants to put the name of Jesus on something, the first thing you will look for is the love of God present. Is the love of God present? Is this pointing me to Jesus Christ? And, and does it lead people to love one another in a sacrificial manner, in a manner in agreement, that, that agrees with the gospel? If it does, it's from God. If not, I don't want anything to do with it. And John is telling his readers, if they had engaged this kind of discernment, they would have never had a problem. They would have rejected the false teachers out of hand. Because understanding true love is paramount to exercising discernment regarding the spirits. If love only comes from God, true love only comes from God, then that means false prophets, false spirits, demonic spirits will never lead us to love. They'll lead us to something else every time. They'll lead us to a cheap substitute of love. But it will never be love. And we see this over and over. Remember, this section is a continuation on discernment from last week of testing the spirits. And so, we have to ask, what does the love that is promoted within our belief systems or outside our belief systems or people vying for for our attention, what does the love that they teach, what does it provide? What does it produce? Because today, the world literally says the phrase, love is love. How many have seen that? Love is love. And that phrase is meant to justify sinful, rebellious behavior against God against God's created order. It is based entirely in personal desires, in personal urges. It is based entirely in me and not on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And somebody says love is love. I say no. Lust is lust. Love is love. And love does no harm to its neighbor. Love demands not its own way. Love leads us the cross. And we have to nail that down in our lives so firmly that when people come with arguments saying, well, that's no, you're just being hateful. No, I'm not being hateful. I don't hate anybody. In fact, I love people and I want them to see the truth and I want them to know the truth that Jesus Christ is the only one that can provide what this love is love movement is trying to provide. We all need jesus christ we all are broken we all have these desires that are contrary to the gospel and we cannot explain them away we cannot rationalize them we have to deny ourselves as jesus said take up our cross and follow him but within that is the love of god that sets us free it completely sets us free and so he says in this is love don't miss that in this is love. This is our definition of love. Not that we have loved God. But that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If you want to understand the depths of love. Don't look to your own heart or your desires. Look to the cross. And so to define love properly. We look at the nature. Mission. And the kingdom of God. God is love. John has already told us that. Love is an expression of God's perfect Holiness of who He is. Now this should give us comfort because when we talk about true God, life-giving love, love is something that brings life. Life Love is something that is holy, that is pure, that is good. And yes, we are created in God's image, so we all have this inborn desire to love, to be loved, to experience love. That should drive us to God because He is the source of all love. Two, God directed his love toward us. His thoughts and his desires were for our good, our lives, and our eternal well-being. Notice God did not use his love to serve himself. What did he do? He sent his son to die on the cross for us. His love led him to get outside of himself. To not focus on himself, but on others. And so, the mission of God was and is and will always be a mission of love. It's not about being right. It's about being loving. And I wish more, especially, I will tell you, especially in our Southern Baptist Convention, I wish we could get that down just... You know, we say it louder for those in the back or whatever we got to do. It's not about being right. It's about being loving. Now, we can't be truly loving if we aren't focused on the gospel. We can't be loving if we're teaching false doctrine. But at the end of the day, if we are not becoming more loving as people, we haven't yet properly understood the message. If we aren't becoming more loving, then there's something lacking in our theology. And I mean that. I have had this discussion so many times. You know, I've gone through all levels of education. Not sure what I got out of it, but I will tell you, I've had this discussion going all the way back to to the beginning of my theological education, and I kept going as I had these people that, man, we're just going to hammer theology, and we're going to hammer, hammer. And I said, okay, but how do you treat people? Because that's the next step. And we get caught up too many times within the church of studying theology, but not living theology. And he tells us love each other, for love is from God. And so everything that we learn about God ultimately should lead us to love him or love people, and and should do both. The more we love God, the more we will love people. And we love people because the God of, you know, love is within us. It it all just feeds itself over and over again. Love is essential. It's not just for the advanced Christian. It's for all Christians. How many of you have ever been around one of those Christians that all you had to do was spend about five, ten minutes in their presence and you knew you were loved? You just knew it. And and you're like, how did you do that? Like, I don't even know you. And yet, their spirit, they just put you at ease. And then, the more you talk to them, you realize, man, they got a faith that is deep, that they love Christ and that they love God. And they, because they have allowed the love of God to root them and who they are, and it has become such a part of them that they can't help but give it away. They can't help it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll all be wearing our jerseys and such here in a, in a couple of weeks. But you know, us as Christians walking around in the world, love should be the thing that we are showing the world that this is who we are. Over and over. That that is who we are. And we are commanded to have the same mind as Jesus. Listen to Philippians 2, 5 through 9. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It is yours. Who, though he was in the form of God, Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You see, the mission of God was one that was there for the betterment of others. Jesus could have stayed in heaven and been the eternal Son and enjoyed all of the benefits of Godhood and said, I'm God, worship me, and been perfectly justified. But the love of God led the Son to lay it all aside and come to earth as a man and die on a cross. And he says, have the same mind. Now, obviously, we can't do the same thing Jesus did because that was his. But he says, have the same mind. Try to think the same way. Think about, how do I sacrificially love other people? How do I put others before myself? And we're not going to be perfect at it, but you know what? That's why there's grace. God knows we're not going to be perfect at it, but He does say, I expect you to try. I expect you to walk this path and become more loving. And that is, in essence, that's what our entire process here is about. When we talk about becoming a worshiper, we're talking about being transformed by the love of God when we talk about becoming a student of scripture and prayer we're talking about being transformed by the truth of the love of God when we talk about becoming a servant witness we become that person who has to give away what God has given to us and when we talk about becoming disciple maker that means that we understand the love of God at such a level that we have to share it and want to see other people grow up in it that's who we are to become And then number three, God's kingdom is built by the work of Jesus on the cross and is therefore a kingdom based on love. Think about that. God's kingdom is not based on force. It is not based on class. It is not based on race. It is not based on politics. It is not based on anything other than the love of God. Now, love is... a Expression of his perfect holiness. And so, the kingdom of God that we are going to be a part of for all eternity that's why Jesus died on the cross because he said, I have a kingdom that is coming that will be there for all eternity, and I want you to be a part of it. And I want you to be a part of it so badly that I will die on the cross and pay the price for your sins. That if you will just believe in me, I will forgive you. I will come into your life. I will remake you so that you have no sin within you and you will be a part of my kingdom. But that kingdom is one that is based entirely on the love of God. Entirely. And how do I know that? Listen to Revelation 21, 3 through 6. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Here it is. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What is that? That's love. That is a father caring for and loving his children saying, I will take care of everything from this point on. He gave His Son for us, and then when His kingdom comes, He says His love personally will be involved with each and every person that is there in His kingdom, and He will personally express that love to each and every one. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I get goosebumps thinking about the God of the universe comforting at such a level that He wipes the tears from Is there anything more gentle and more loving than to somebody to come up to somebody who was weeping and to wipe the tears and say, it's going to be okay. I'm here for you. It's going to be okay. That's the image here. And he says, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he said, And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment, without payment. That is love. He's saying love. His love is going to be the very foundation and source of life for all existence in his kingdom." So when John says, he who does not love doesn't know God, he means it. Because our love should be such that it overflows. The closer we get to God, the more we should love. Now That doesn't mean we're going to be devoid of struggle in this world. It doesn't mean that that love is going to be returned to us. God knows how many times have we not returned God's love to him. But love will give. And so it is up to us then in this whole process to follow God's lead. Follow his lead in this. He has given us the word. He has given us his son on the cross. He has given us salvation. He has made us new. He has given us of his spirit. What is the common theme here? God is the one he just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and forgiving. He just keeps going. And you know what he says? We need to do the same thing. Listen to verse 11. He says, beloved, if God so loved us. So now that we have an understanding of the gospel and what God has done, he says, we also ought to love one another. The same love that he gave us, he says, now you take that and give it away. Learn to give it away. And he says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And what he means by that is love will be the proof of God's presence. You're not going to physically see it. Jesus has been resurrected. Now, he says love was manifest, and he's like, I got to see it. And he's like, I'm in a privileged position here. I got to see love. I saw love incarnate. I saw Jesus Christ. But he's like, nobody's seen God now. Jesus is, is back in heaven. He's been resurrected. But the proof of God in your life will be Your capacity to love. And he says God abides in us and his love is perfected. And so we learn to love as God loved. Which means what? It means like God we learn to see the need. It means like God we learn to seek the lost. It means like God we learn to give even When it hurts, it means that we love knowing that it might not be returned, but we love anyway. You know, I read in in John 3 16 that God so loved the world, and yet we know that not the entire world isn't going to be saved because Jesus said, Narrow is the gate, difficult is the path, and few find it. And so Jesus died. For all of creation knowing that just a very small remnant was going to accept it yet he did it anyway he offered his love freely to all who 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 came into his path and yet most rejected him but he offered it anyway the rich young ruler comes up to him he says what do i need to do he doesn't say you know what you're so so self-righteous just get away from me you don't you're not even going to receive this anyway just go away could he have yeah he knew him he knew who he was he knew what he believed he could have just said, you know what? You're wasting your time talking to me. You're never going to believe me. Go away. What did he do? He says, no, I'll tell him the truth. You lack one thing. Go sell all you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. You'll have eternal life. You'll have treasures in heaven. And he let him reject him and let him walk away sad. You See, he loved anyway. And it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loved anyway. And that should be the mark, that should become the driving force in who we are that we just learn to just love anyway. Just love anyway. Well, but they said this, yeah, I know it hurts, doesn't it? Hurt your feelings, yeah. Love them anyway. Just keep loving. Just do it. And there was a great saying that I heard once that said, when you love until it hurts, you're set free because now it can't hurt anymore. So then you can keep keep loving. And you know, that actually bears out in the life of Jesus. He loved us till it hurt. He died, was resurrected. Guess what? It doesn't hurt anymore. That's the promise we have in Revelation in which he says there will be no more pain, no more death. Love until it hurts. And then after it hurts, the hurt is gone. And you'll have the kingdom of God to love forever in the way it should be. But for now, we live in a world where love won't be returned to us like we expect. It's okay. Love anyway. Anyway. Because that's what he means when he says love is perfected in us. It doesn't mean we'll become perfect. It means that his love has such an influence on us that its work is complete in that we're not only receiving the love of God, we are giving the love of God. That's what it means for his love to be perfected in us. That we don't just receive it, we're not just consumers. We start to become providers. We start to become producers. We start to share that which God has given us and, and hope to see it in the lives of others, knowing that our joy lies not in receiving, but in giving. And that's exactly who Jesus what Jesus did in Hebrews twelve two. It says, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It wasn't the pain. That, that, that drew him to it. It was the joy of fulfilling the will of God and sharing the love of God and creating a way for the, the people of God to be in the kingdom of God for all eternity that that brought him joy that he said, that's worth it. I'll pay the price. I'll go through it. And so we have to be willing to look at the same thing and say, okay, it's worth it. I will love. I'll pay the price. I'll be like Jesus and his love will be perfected in me as I Not only receive it, I give it. And we learn to love as Jesus loved. And when we do that, we are set free. I mean it, we are set free. Because there is no power in this world that can overcome genuine, godly love. You know, I know that because 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love never fails. We may not see it now, but one day in the kingdom of heaven, we'll see it. And we'll be like, wow, love really didn't fail. It really, really worked. Love will continue for all eternity. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Father of lights, Father of all that is good, teach us to love as you have loved. God, that our hope would not be based in things of this world, but in your love for us. God, that our estimation of other people would be what you have taught us, God, that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, even when it hurts, Lord, lead us to trust in your ways, in your power, and in your love. God, we pray that you open doors for us, God, that we would be observant And that we would love like you did and we would learn to seek those that are lost. That will listen. That we would love the unloved. Because we ourselves were one time in that same place. God, help us learn to see the need as you did. And to do what we can to fulfill it. Help us to be observant, God. God that we would share your love, that we would provide love that others may be lacking in this world. And that we would point people to you. That we would be known for our love for one another as your word said. That by this, all will know that we are your disciples, that we love one another. God, make that true of us today. Grow us. Help us to become so that that is said of Grace Family Fellowship. God, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray this together. Amen.